Welcome home. If you found your way here, you are definitely a part of my tribe. My name is Desiree Jackson. This is the Black Hair Conspiracy Podcast. And today's topic is William Lynch. Today, I want to talk to you about the Willie Lynch letter. Now, there has been this whole controversy lately, and I say around roughly um, 2000, where people are saying the letter is fake, it's not real. But I do want to share some information with you and some facts, and then let you decide whether it's real or fake, okay? Now, it's called the Willie Lynch letter, but... The name, the full name is William Lynch. Now, William Lynch was a captain in 1742 through 1820 in the war. He was an American military officer. Now, Lynch, there is a thing that was called the Lynch Law, which was in the late 1700s. It was an actual name, and it was used by a man called Charles Lynch to describe his actions in suppressing a speech lawless. I don't know what that was exactly, you guys, but he spoke in his document about the technique he used, and it was called the Lynch Law. And it was all about the way he suppressed somebody in an uprising in 1780 during the American Revolutionary War. So, I find that interesting, and it stands alone. Now, what I wanted to do was talk to you about what was the Willie Lynch letter. For some of you who are very familiar with it, it was this docket, um, this famous letter that this guy wrote named William Lynch about a speech and a technique that he wanted to share with other slave owners during the 1700s when slaves were being indoctrinated. In my book on page 143, I actually have the whole letter and I'm going to read it to you right now and then let's talk about it. Gentlemen, I greet you here on the bank of the James River in the year of our Lord. 1,712. First, I shall thank you and the men of the colony of Virginia for bringing me here. I am here to help you solve some of your problems with the slaves. Your invitation reached me on my modest plantation in the West Indies where I have experimented with some of the newest and still the oldest program is implemented. As our boat sailed south of the James River, I saw enough to know that your problem is not unique. While Rome used cords of wood or courses and crosses for standing humans' bodies among and all along its way in great numbers, you here using the tree and rope on occasions. I caught a whiff of the dead slave hanging from a tree in a couple of miles back. You are not only losing valuable stock, 
but hangings. You are having uprising. Slaves are running away and your crops are sometimes left in fields too long for maximum profit. You suffer occasional fires. Your animals are killed. Gentlemen, you know what your problems are. I do not need to elaborate. I am not here to illuminate your problems. I am here to introduce you to a method to solving them. In my bag here, I have a foolproof method for controlling your black slaves. I guarantee every one of you that I, that if installed correctly, it will control the slaves for at least 300 years. My method is simple and members of your family and any overseer can use it. I have outlined a number of differences among the slaves and I take these differences and make them bigger. I use fear, distrust, and envy for control purposes. These methods have worked on my modest plantation in the West Indies and it will work throughout the South. Take this simple little list of differences. Think about them. On top of my list is age. But, but it is there only because it starts with an A. The second is color or shade. There is intelligence, size, sex, size of plantation, status of plantation, attitude of owner, whether the slaves live in the valley or on the hill, east, west, north, south, have fine hair or coarse hair, or is tall or short. Now that you have a list of differences, that distrust is stronger than trust, and envy is stronger than adjacent, respect or admiration. The black slaves, after receiving this indoctrination, shall carry on and will become self-refueling and self-generating for hundreds of years, maybe thousands. Don't forget, you must pitch the old versus the young. You must pitch the old black verse, the young black male, and the young black male versus the old black male. You must use the dark-skinned slaves versus the light-skinned slaves. And the light-skinned slaves versus the dark-skinned slaves. You must also have your white servants and overseers distrust all blacks. But it is necessary they trust and depend on us. They must love and respect and trust only us. Gentlemen, these kits are your control. Use them. Have your wives and children use them. Never miss an opportunity. My plan is guaranteed. And the good thing about this plan is that if used intensively for one year, the slaves themselves will remain perpetually distrustful. Thank you, gentlemen. William Lynch. 1712. The first time I saw this 
in writing was in Claude Anderson's Dirty Little Secrets. It's printed in 1997. It's a really great book. You should pick it up. He's one of my favorite authors. Once again, his name is um, Dr. Claude Anderson. If you listen to what I said, that whole letter and that whole speech was nothing but a psychological warfare. And to this very day, that is what we fight. And if you think it's only because we're the only ones going through it because of skin color. No, it's happening every day. That technique is used all over, even in the workplace today. So you have from um, union to non-union reps. Um, you have the supervisors down to the employees that's below them, from the GF to supervisors to the managers, different levels. They put you against each other. We have from male to women, women are being put against the men, men are being put against the women, but in actuality, we need each other. We need everything from old to young. It is the old that has the wisdom, and if the young that has the energy and strength will learn from the old, things can get done a lot quicker. The two is needed. There's not one that's better than another one. What I found is that when we get into a society where we start feeling that we are better than another person or another um, situation, it's because we have insecurities really about ourselves. So what we're doing is projecting our own insecurities. So we have to put someone else or something else down in order to make us feel better. 400 years later, and we still tear each other down, don't we? And we wonder why, because there is a psychological effect that has been implanted in our brains and how we see and view things. It is what it is, or is it? We are capable of reprogramming ourselves if we are capable of being programmed. We can change the way we think, we can change the way we see things. I'm going to share a story with you that a lot of people may not even realize. There are so many subtle ways you get programmed into believing something is good. And I'll give you an example, a couple examples. One was when we look at sugar. When you think about sugar, you think of white sugar. But in all actuality, sugar was not white. Sugar is actually brown. It's sugar cane, the purest sugar comes brown. At one point, they literally took the time to dye the sugar and process the sugar, which costs much more than if they had just took the pure brown sugar. And the reason why they did is because at one time, sugar was considered to be a delight for only the wealthy. And it was a rarity. So when sugar became very popular in the sweet houses and all over Europe and all over the world, and they started to ship sugar, they wanted people to associate the mental thought of sugar being white versus being brown. And in order for others to continue to buy it, they would take a loss at the beginning from bleaching the brown sugar it literally cost them more to bleach it, but they would take the loss so that they can go ahead and sell it for white sugar 
so that people would mentally connect it to being sweet and good. But it wasn't just sugar that that happened. They did that also to other types of grains like rice, which is not normally bleach white. Um, all of these things affects you on a psychological base that you start to see that as the primary source of something good. There is this concept of the cowboys. If you are a great fan of the the history cowboys actually came from they were they were first black and they wore black hats on top of that so they were cattle ranchers and they were herd the cattle well there was no white cowboys and the reason why was just because the cowboys were slaves and so the Farmers would hire the servants who were slaves to go ahead and, and to rattle up and, you know, make a herd. And these were the cowboys. As it started to become more popular through films and movie um, and just the, the look and the lore of a cowboy, then you started to get other nationalities that were also working the cattle as well. Well, in movies, eventually, when they would have the good guy and the bad guy, they decided to deliberately switch the hat. So if you was a good guy, you wore the black hat. But we already think of a good cowboy as someone who would wear the white hat. And that was a deliberate switch. And what it does is the mindset. It switches your thinking and perception. And so you can imagine what it does for those who we think of the black cat as a bad luck. But in all actuality, if a black cat crosses your path, it actually is a great blessing. <laughs> there is so much misconceptions that we have been taught, and this is the psychological warfare that I speak about. And the way you start to deprogram yourself from that is by first learning your culture, learning your your learning the truth. There's a saying, the truth will set you free, and it's there for a reason. It is very interesting because if you start to just dig into only the truth and not to be biased, then it leads you to wonder what was the power behind changing the truth or hiding it. What was they really hiding? What is it that we were supposed to think? And the, what, it, what it was doing was a psychological warfare on you to believe that you alone would start to put yourself down. You know what's interesting to me? As a businesswoman, I run a corporation, I run a business, and I know I'm good and I'm smart as hell. And I'm not just saying that. I'm not being egotistical here. I'm being factual. I find deals and make things happen when some people can't. I know that I'm talented and good at that. But I have the hardest time and I have to fight the people. The people I fight the most would be people that look just like me or minorities because they think so low of themselves that they do not believe my deal is possible. But when I go 
and I just do the deal and they don't know anything about who I am, my nationality, my, they don't know if I'm a woman or a man and they just know it from a LLC or a corporation standpoint and I do the deal, man, we move, we move mountains. And that's what happens because someone has already put into their mind a, a thinking or a belief of how they feel. They've already prejudged you. And you go through that because everyone has a mental stigma somewhere in their head. So I give example too. It works in so many different ways because it's also in financial matters. I tend to notice that people can have a losing mind. They 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 tend to do bad. Um, they fail a lot with businesses or they fail a lot when they make a deal or and they think bad about themselves. There's actually a uh, um, psychological test that went out that says that the brain, if you keep losing and you keep doing something, so like you play the video game and you're playing this game and you keep losing, keep having too many struggles, the brain actually sends out a chemical that causes you to not only get depressed and to feel bad, but that stacks up to this level where you find it normal to function at that level. And you feel bad or you think automatically something bad is going to happen. So the, the test is they, they had the people to stop doing what they're doing. They had them to stop playing the game. When they stopped playing the game, they had them to redirect their brain onto something that was a guarantee, a sure thing. They know that it was like, take a game. So they took a simple little game, played that for a couple minutes. Because once the brain sees you can win, boom, it's crazy. It all, all of a sudden it changes the pattern, the wavelength changes, the energy changes, and you continue to win. Then they told those people to go back now to the same game that they was losing. And guess what? They beat it. So if you stay in a situation too long where you're constantly feeling that you are losing or you're feeling bad about yourself, you, you're changing your brain waves. You're changing the energy that is literally in you internally and then this is the reason why you'll find people winners are with winners and losers with losers and I don't mean to sound crazy about that but literally I remember watching a um a meeting one time and in this meeting there was maybe eight or seven really successful high energy people in that room and they were sitting in that room shooting ideas like hey hey I need you like I have a deal going over here it's about 4.5 millions I you know if we team up we can um do this and the when I say to you the level of conversation that was going on was so interesting and people were so quick to say, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I tell you what, let give me let's exchange numbers now. And yeah, I got you. And the reason why they were so quick to do that same deal is because they understood that the person they was talking to had a mentality of how to win. They knew that that person was going to make that deal happen because they have done it four, five, six. They watched this person do it over and over and over. So they knew that person was going to win and they knew that that was a winning team. That's interesting to me because... I think prior, it might have been a month before, one of those particular person that was so quick 
to give um, 20% to this guy talking at about a $4 million deal was just being asked by a friend of his to get $150,000 to do um, a business adventure. And he was just sharing the information with me. And I was thinking to myself, like, oh, okay, it's 150K. That's a lot of money still. And his thoughts were, yeah, that's a lot of money. He, but I realized by watching him later on in this room, it wasn't about it was a hundred. It was a lot of money. It was about he did not believe that the person were going to be, was that his friend who was asking him was going to be successful at the deal that he wanted to do. And that if he gave his 150K, he was going to lose it. So later on, uh, one day we was all, you know, after this whole party and everything I'm watching, I'm just chapping it up with, you know, my friend. And I asked that question. I wanted to know why was you so quick to give this other person 20% of $4 million supposedly versus you wasn't that quick to give your friend 150K to start their business. And he was honest. He said, I've watched this guy fail eight times. He doesn't do any due diligence. He doesn't think ahead like he should. Um, he doesn't think out the box. He's kind of quick, um, quick with his decisions. But more importantly, more importantly, he said he doesn't learn from those failures. He's always blaming someone else like, the, oh, this person didn't do this. If they had did this, this would have worked. He's always blaming someone. And I remember thinking to myself that you're right because it doesn't matter how many times you fail. You got to be in it to win it. The lotto has a great slogan because they are so true. It doesn't matter how many times you fail. It doesn't matter how many times you keep going because what really matters is you keep doing it and you learn from each situation because each situation you will have a different problem than you did from the last time. That's the way the universe will start to guide you into the uh, supreme position that you want to be in. But if you don't learn from these lessons, you're going to continue having the same problem with the same problem that's caused by the same problem. And everyone around you is going to be like, you're the problem. But you don't even recognize it. Then I remember that there was this study, you guys. I don't know if you've seen this on social media. I love this. I don't know who, who the guy was. He was a scientist and he was showing um, this fly um, test that they did where they took a bunch of, no, it was fleas, excuse me. They took a bunch of fleas, right? And they put it in a jar and the fleas was jumping up, jumping up, jumping up, really jumping up really high, really high, um, out the jar. So then they put a lid on the fleas and the fleas started jumping. Dun, 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 dun. But then they, soon as like, I think it was like only 10 minutes, they took the lid off and the fleas no longer jumped past the lid. Then they said as the fleas started to have 
babies, those fleas didn't jump as high as the first fleas did. So you can imagine that's the psychological effects that they already know that happens with animals. And that's exactly what happens to us as humans. Imagine 400 years of being told you cannot go past a certain thing, or you cannot jump that high, or you cannot do this, or you cannot do that. At some point, you don't even try anymore. You're so beat it down. You no longer try. And then those around you that try, you're going to immediately think like they're wasting their time. That's what you deal with sometimes when you encounter people who aren't used to winning, aren't used to having something successful, aren't who's been constantly told that they're less than what they are or put down. And this works, and I'm not talking about race. I'm talking about what we said in the Willie Lynch letter. When you start putting people against each other and you start personally being told so that way that you can start thinking a certain way, you will truly just continue that cycle on your own. And that's what the fleas did. The fleas started to jump less and less higher than what they could. Basically, even if no one gave you a ceiling, you will create your own ceiling. That's the reason why it's really important for you to start to reprogram yourself. Start thinking to yourself, what is it that I think I can't do? And why do I think I can't do that? And it's honest. You could be honest. If you, maybe there's something you can't do. But can you be connected to someone who could? Can you be encouraging to the person who could? Could you partner with that person who you know that could? Can you be a, a actual contributor to rowing the boat in which they are in to help both of you get where you want to go? Just because you don't feel that you can do something doesn't mean other people can't do it. And there's no need for you to put someone down who you think can. It's at this point, are you really thinking have your mind already been completely subjected to the Willie Lynch letter? Are you thinking? I wanted to read to you from the book, The Black Hair Conspiracy, page 139, Good Hair versus Bad Hair. This subject, along with a light and dark skin issue, is one of the saddest, most ignorant display of the crippling effects that slavery has done to us. It used to infuriate me when I heard someone stress on highlight their hair type or skin color as a selling point to their self-worth. This is until I realized how how insignificant they must feel their life accomplishments are that they actually name their hair type or their skin complexion as a asset. Let me tell you, the one of the things, and I'm not reading from the book right now, I just wanted to kind of like go down the road with you on this. Self-pride 
is something that's so deeply rooted in you that either you have it or you don't. You can't fool other people with pride. It's something you walk into a room and they know it. It's something when you speak and you say, they feel it. Self-pride is the difference that no one could come and try to tell you or put you on a pedestal. And you get so, oh, thank you. And you're just so overwhelmed. I'll never forget the day that um, one day my husband said to me, that he was like, you are literally extremely beautiful, but I want you to know something. I'm telling you this and I'm going to tell you all these wonderful things that I've noticed that's so different about you than any other woman, but I'm not trying to put you on a pedestal. And then I replied to him and I said, it's okay to put me on a pedestal. Why would you want to? And then his reply back to me was, don't let anyone put you on a pedestal because the moment you let someone put you on a pedestal. That means you gave them permission to take you off of it. And I was like, damn, that's deep because he's right. I'm the one that's going to put me on a pedestal because as long as I put myself there, no one can take me down. And to this day, that's the reason why you can't tell me. I don't care if I haven't done something in a long time. I trust me. I know what I'm capable of. I always tell myself when I see like when I see certain things go on with people and they say things like oh I don't trust myself immediately I say to myself okay you don't trust yourself but you are the one that knows yourself better than anyone else and if you don't trust yourself then why should I trust you you know yourself better than I do when I see people that feel like they, they're like, oh, I don't like who I am. Okay, you don't like who you are. What you're really saying to me personally, me, you're letting me know that you're not a good person because you don't even like yourself. I'm telling you right now, the reason most people get conned by con artists is because they don't know themselves. And when you don't know yourself, other people can try to tell you who you are. Other people can convince you to trust them. And a con is the person that knows and sees a victim quickest. They always say a predator can tell his prey by the way they move, the way they talk. They say a dog can sense and smell fear. You could pretend that you're not scared, but the dog could smell it. It's a hormone that's given off. A predator could see you and could smell you. You could pretend that you love who you are and you're confident about yourself, but everybody around you knows that you're not. They might not tell you, but they could see it because it's in your actions. It's the things you say. It's the way you say things. It's the things you do. Someone who's confident and powerful within themselves and know who they are, they talk differently. They move differently. They're not seeking for outside validation. Now, I'm not going to say that reprogramming yourself and how you see and feel about your yourself and your self-worth is going to be easy. It's a process, and it can take a while. 
but it's kind of like walking towards the direction you want to go. You're never going to get there until you start moving. Just put one foot in front of the other. Just start taking little things. Start doing little things to make those changes. Because the truth is, you're never going to be able to change other people's mind and how they have been programmed to feel or see you. For example, I deal with people where it might be in business and because and only because I'm a woman, they see women weak. They have a, a low self-esteem or projection of how they see women. There's nothing I can do that's going to change the way they see me. But if they do something that is disrespectful or they, uh, they might question my business practices or they might question something, a move that I'm making just because they have less respect for me as a woman, I'm going to say what I have to say and I'm going to demand what I have to say. And sometimes I might have to say it a little louder because they're not hearing me at the volume in which I'm saying it at. And being louder may not mean verbally louder. It may just mean another source of consequences that they need to be, that I need to address to them. So that way that they hear that I am not going to tolerate this. And when I'm done with business, I leave. I'm done. I don't go back to that person. I don't do business with them again. I don't have need to converse with them. I don't need to uh, spend time with them. And the reason why is because I cannot change the way they see me, but I can change the way that I do business with the people that see me that way. You don't get to abuse me and get my money. You don't get to disrespect me and get a profit. I'm going to go where I'm wanted. I'm going to go where I'm respected, and I'm going to go where I be long. And when I associate myself with people that respect me, that understand my value, with people who already have like mind interpretations of who they want to be or see, and we are all in the same accord, it makes business a lot easier and we both can win. That's who I spend my time with. I got to fight every day. We got to fight all kinds of things every day. Why? I get to choose my battle. Why spend the energy and time fighting for respect? I got time to do that. I don't have to fight you for respect. Respect is either earned, given, or taken. And you got to earn it from me. You're going to have to give it to me. Otherwise, I'm going to take it and leave. This is Desrita Jackson with the Black Hair Conspiracy.